Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. And Lars. And welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you can be listening to right here, youtube.com forward slash Stephen Larson, of course, found wherever audio podcasts can be found. We continue on with our look at the Dark Side of the Ring series. We're in season three. This is the second, uh, uh, well, I guess it's technically the third episode is the second topic. Uh, Deathmatch wrestler Nick Gage. Uh, this is a bit of a departure from the usual Dark Side thing. We talked with uh, uh, Evan a little bit about this during our chat with him, the producer, mm-hmm. one of the producers of Dark Side, um, in terms of, you know, them diving into a subject that is arguably, even at 40 years old, at certainly at the peak of his popularity. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's n- nevertheless, he's packed a lot of life into that 40, yeah, 40 years. years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dark Side, up to date, by and large, have, have told stories that have happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, it, this is kind of their first real deep dive into a topic or a personality or story that's topical. The mm-hmm. uh, current. Yeah. No, um, because you mentioned, yeah, Nick Gage, uh, I would think without a doubt in terms of his popularity at his absolute peak. Mm -hmm. Um, And while like I kind of knew the basic beats of his story, uh, a lot of details I was not aware of. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was this was this was very good in terms of filling in those blanks in terms of uh, the knowledge I had about Nick Gage's career. One of the most one question I've always had about those who get into deathmatch wrestling, because especially early on. You're going, you're putting your body on the line, in some cases your life on the line, for not a lot of financial reward, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've been to a few uh, 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 death matches mm-hmm. just here locally. Sure. Can't imagine the participants were getting paid a ton of money Nope. Um, to do that. So, you know, if it's not financial incentive to do this, then what is it essentially, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of got an answer about that, you know, from, from, from Nick Gage himself. Uh, I'll paraphrase. First, he says, I'm a little bit crazy in the head. My pain tolerance is really high, but I want to show in his world the style is all right and has a fan base. And then John Moxley, who's great in this. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, right after telling the story about how uh, Nick Gage cut his head open with the pizza cutter mm-hmm. and then swiped it across his mouth, uh, tells that, you know, he doesn't do this. Mox says this about himself. I assume this uh, relates to Nick Gage as well doesn't do this for the money does this for the feeling yeah the feeling of being out there in front of the crowd feeling of of getting amped up by the crowd take things to another level um the feeling of of after you go through that with somebody else the ring having a beer with them backstage uh he says and that's what he thinks keeps nick gage coming back it's yeah it's a mix of I, i like that you mentioned the last bit it's a mix of adrenaline junkie which is yeah. a very real thing uh, and, uh, I, there, there's, there's, it wasn't explicitly stated, but, and I, I don't want to get too deep into the idea, 
but almost like getting a better understanding of humanity, like going through that with somebody. And I don't know if they've ever thought about this on a conscious level, but going through that with somebody is like establishing a connection that you would have with nobody else. Here, this is popped in my head, and, and maybe you'll agree with this. Would be that it's probably for a lot of people. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I like Nick Gage throughout the show was talking about how, for the most part, he knows the limits of things. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he talks about when when he accidentally cut our kid. He's like, "All right, he's bleeding a little bit, but nothing's pouring out. He'll be fine." Right? Yeah. You know, I don't know the, the I don't know how accurate that is, but from his vantage point, it seemed like he'd be all right. You By know that I mean? time, I would think he would have some decent exactly. idea of human anatomy and and what's gone too far and what yes. hasn't. Yeah. Um. But then again, he got like entirely cut under his arm. Is like, take me up, I'm going back out. And then like, well, that was earlier though. That was that much was earlier. earlier. <laughs> yes. That was one of those um, life lessons. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, perchance, this is a situation where. I don't want to use the phrase near death experience lightly. Sure, yeah. But you're going out there and, and and the life of another human being to a certain degree is in your hands and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. There is potentially a, a, a bond that is forged in that in, in that 10, 12, 15 minutes you're in the ring together. The level of trust you have to place in that other person to to go to a certain level, but not beyond. Yeah. Um that's got to be something else. There's something there, there's something, something deep there that I would never want to venture towards personally. I'm not I have a bit of a fascination with deathmatch wrestling. It's not always it's it's not always something that, you know, I don't want to sit and have a nice meal and watch deathmatch wrestling. It it's a bit off-putting, but I understand it. I get it. And sometimes I will indulge in watching some just because I get the itch sometimes, and it does yeah, fascinate me. Agreed, agreed. Although, you know, just watching this, it reminds me of, of pretty much every time I watch deathmatch wrestling. It's it's a, it's me sitting here trying to uh, avoid a panic attack. <laughs> yeah, right. because in every spot, I you know, like the the, the spot where Nick Gage got really hurt, where yeah. he just gets uh, whipped into the ropes, tumbles uh, into some light tubes, and out of the ring. I mean, as he put, it, he's like, "Yeah, it seems basic enough. I just landed wrong." Yeah. And he had to get the helicopter that out, died on the helicopter. Yeah. Only be brought back. Like even the most seemingly mundane of spots mm-hmm. in these matches could lead to a horrible injury. And it's like just a constant state of anxiety. Yeah. It's kind of shocking, to be honest with you, that like more people don't just completely die in wrestling in general. Because here's the thing, like you, you know this, any spot in any wrestling match can go awry and somebody can die, you know? And it's kind of shocking. I mean, the, number one, the, the human body is very resilient. And so maybe it's not shocking that they die more often. It is shocking that there's not more. I mean, we've seen all sorts of, you know, there's all sorts of great in, uh, uh, compilations of indie wrestling botches gone bad. That one dude who just splattered on the concrete, he was fine. I'm sure he well, wasn't he broke fine, his elbow or fine, like but yeah, yeah elbow, right. Yeah. Like all those things in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you should probably be dead at this point. He wasn't, cat- he wasn't catastrophically injured. Right. I've seen, I don't know how many backyard wrestling matches that begin or end with somebody getting hit by a car. Like, you know, and then they, they just get up and they probably feel like crap the next day or they might have a busted ankle yeah, yeah. or something, but by and large, they're fine. No, this was the, the thing that I like so much about this. And, and it's something that I look forward to. It's something that I look for in every episode of Dark Side, especially after having talked to the guys a couple times. And understanding like where they're coming from is is the idea. I love that the idea behind this was basically 
you're they're they're looking at the humanity behind a person where on the surface you 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 might not see a lot of it you know it's like what do we know about him he's a deathmatch guy who robbed a bank and did time and uh and yet he has this insane connection with the crowd nick gage is a singular figure he is mm-hmm. uh he, he does remind me in many ways in many ways and in and in many ways not of new jack with Nick Gage, there is much more of a vulnerability that he has no problem exposing, especially in this. Um, that is very interesting. With New Jack, there is much more of a a smokescreen there, of a force yeah. field there, of yes. how much. I mean, even in that episode, all right. By the end, he's talking about you know uh, whatever the, the like the last scene of his movie would be. You know, just him knee deep in cocaine, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, you're. You're clowning around, or you're not. But who the hell are you really? And we never really get that answer I in the New Jack. I think one. with the New Jack one, you have the character of New Jack, mm-hmm. and you have where there's there's seemingly a a, a a lot of crossover between the character of of New Jack and I forgot what his, what a New Jack's name is. Is it Jerome Young? Is that his, yeah, I think his, I believe so. Name? Yeah. So. You know, I think there's some haziness in terms of where the delineation between New Jack. And Jerome Young is where I feel like Nick Gage is, is a situation where this is just him. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. character is turned up. Yeah. But this is just him. And that's why know? I think with New Jack, I feel like the the, the appeal, the, the audience connection with New Jack on one degree was personal. On another degree, it was, oh, this guy is he does crazy stuff for our entertainment. With Nick Gage, it does feel like, hey, I feel this guy. You know, I, I he he seems to really be into community building. You know, MDK. Yeah. He, I yeah. mean, grandstands for murder, death, kill, but he seems to really be into his community. Like he was really touched when he was doing his bid, his time, and he didn't realize just how much people adored him, and they sent him all sorts of fan mail. Um, but what I liked about this was finding the finding the humanity in. Uh, a horror movie villain. Well, not villain, yeah. but a horror, a walking horror movie, if you will. You yeah. know what I mean? I think yeah. the, the, the analogy is made early on that death matches are basically, you know, wrestling's version of horror movies. You know, they're just, it just completely, it's how far can you take a thing without actually dying? Yeah. And, and it's funny because I do appreciate that they really dispense with the, with the brutality early on, like in the first quarter hour, <sighs> in the Ooh. first 15 minutes, it is difficult to watch because yes. they're it's they go full bore with this is deathmatch wrestling, this is CZW, this is GCW, this is the tournament of death, and this is you know, and it's just cut after cut after cut. Yeah. It's a montage of just brutality. I mean, you you get the, the I believe it's sick Nick Mondo does a spot off the U-Haul truck uh through the, the, the glass tables. You do one of the spots, I don't remember who the participants are per se, but off a building. Again, yeah, uh, through yeah. some contraption set up in the wasn't truck. One, I know wasn't Zandig that like did a couple of those. Wasn't wasn't that? Janella I know, yeah, I know, there? I know. Zandig and Janelle did one of those. Zandig and yeah, Janelle, yeah. I don't know if that was this was that one that was shown. I think they um, did show that. Um, and then, yeah, all sorts of light tubes, fire, panes of glass, thumbtacks. Uh, you get a, there's a couple shots of Necro Butcher in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's funny because the Vice Doc on. Uh, the tournament of death because it is, and which again did a really fantastic job of showing the actual people behind the wrestlers. You know, like the the, the wrestlers as people, as humans, mm-hmm. and what happens before and after. 
it does it does it did such a great job sort of telling that story in a very methodical pace where you're not inundated like this was the, the beginning of this episode was a supercut to sort of say hey this is the world we're throwing you into and it this is we're going to throw you into it you know in over your end. head you're going you're going to the deep end yeah. right so yeah. that you get over that and then you can let the character come out of that which you know so they got to the to the where he died part pretty early mm-hmm. in the show they go over his uh you know his childhood um, he was very close with his mom. They do an excellent job humanizing him off the bat. Very mm-hmm. close with his mom. He's been with his his girlfriend for decades now. Twenty years, I think. Yeah. Right, and uh, and you know he he lost his mom to cancer. Uh, him and his his brother came up and in, in you know doing backyard stuff. And then his, proper... his dad was a huge wrestling fan. Would just have it on. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So it it is interesting from the get, and so you do you see him fleshed out uh, quite a bit. And uh, and it all leads up to probably the worst and most comedic bank robbery I've ever seen in my life. And it was I it was like I knew that Lacey would not be into the deathmatch stuff. But for that moment, I was like, once Mox mentioned the mask stuff and he had the greatest punchline, I, I paused it and rewound. I was like, Lacey, you got to watch this because it's great. It's so funny. Um but yeah, they lead up to you know he was uh, he was really down on his luck. You know he was uh, popping a lot of pills and uh, well, so at that point he had moved on to heroin, I believe. Oh, because, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It because was, because getting oxycotton was too expensive. Was too expensive. Yeah, so he moved on um, to the hard stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, he was he was hard for money. Uh, they just sort of stopped caring about paying bills, and he ended up uh, sleeping on the floor of uh, Brett Lauderdale, the owner well, he, of GCW. He broke into Brett Lauderdale. He broke house. in. Oh, Sorry, I should have preceded it by saying he broke in, uh, uh, knocked out, and Brett Lauderdale comes home, and, and he's sleeping on their floor. And Nick uh, Gage, you know, he's like, fucking did they kick me out. It's negative 10 degrees outside. So I'm sitting there thinking, i got to get some money. I go up to a bank, and I'm like, ah, pussy out. And I'm like sitting there like, oh, God, fuck. Can't believe you just pushed it out. So I find another bank. <laughs> he goes in there, no mask on every. This dude was up in the camera like this. You just see his dumb face. Oh man, it was hilarious. He has a, a one of those notes like you see in a movie. You know, yeah. I got a gun. Give me all your money. Hurry up! Yeah. I had to lose my temper a little bit, and then he leaves. But it's like you know, and then Mox takes over and says, "Yeah, I get a call. Hey, look your email. Look your email." And there is just Nick Gage, clear as fucking day, in the bank, and he's robbing a bank. <laughs> well, the Nick- punchline was, every, before he comes out yeah. for a match, he has a handkerchief over yeah. his face like he's trying to rob a train. Yeah. And here he's actually doing a robbery, doesn't cover his face. Oh, God. it was, the, the, His delivery on that was so perfect. It was so great. Um, and it was great having, it was really great having, I mean, you know, a, another benefit of having Mox. Uh, out of the WWE because you know he goes back with Nick Gage quite a bit you know like you mentioned earlier with the you know the 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 pizza cutter uh, you know Mox was able to tell his story of the first time he encountered Nick Gage mm-hmm. in CZW um, and so uh, so yeah it was uh, it, it it was it was pretty interesting stuff and then he landed in prison I was actually pretty surprised I mean for 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 pulling off you know I mean I guess is it considered armed robbery if i mean did he actually have a gun with him he that didn't. wasn't established he just wrote a note that said he did so i don't know if the threat of 
a weapon is enough to be charged with armed robbery or not. I would maybe assume so. I don't know. Every state is weird. Um, yeah, every state, every state is different. Well, before he went to jail, this was interesting. So, uh, so his, his girlfriend found out about the robbery through the newspaper, mm-hmm. and he said, "Well, I got to get out of here and spend this money." So he <laughs> right. and his girlfriend went to Atlantic City to the casino, started gambling. Even before that, for a week. even before that, though, the great thing is he comes back to Brett Lauderdale's house, and he yeah. like throws the money oh, down. Yeah. And he says, "I just robbed the drug dealer," and Brett Lauderdale smart enough to be like. Okay, these are pristine dollar bills. Did you just rob a bank? Yeah. <laughs> and so he goes to the Atlantic City, and Brett Lauderdale's like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna snitch on him. I'm yeah. not gonna turn him in. But what yeah. I'll do is I'll call him every day and say, are you gonna turn yourself in today?' Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, Nick Gage would be like, "I know I'm going to jail. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I'm not ready yet. Yeah. So apparently, Brett Lauderdale would call him every day. Uh, all right." How you, you doing? You're you doing good. Yeah. You ready to turn yourself in yet? Yet. And then I guess after eight or nine days, uh, Brett called. Nick says, "All right, I'm ready." So Brett Lauderdale drove to Atlantic City, picked him up, uh, bought him some Burger King, his favorite meal of Burger King. Uh, and and Nick says he he drank a forty, smoked a bowl, mm-hmm. and turned himself in, and, yeah. and ended up getting sent to to jail. The sentence for five to five years, served five about years. four and a half of those. Yeah. Um. And he said, "Yeah, when when he was in jail." Uh, he got a bunch of fan mail and it was then that he realized how much people appreciated his work and loved him and it motivated him to keep going. He got in the best shape of his life, he said. And he said, I want to get out of here and put deathmatch wrestling back on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, <clears throat> while he was there, I think it was 2015, Brett Lauderdale had purchased uh, what was formerly Jersey Championship Wrestling and turned it into Game Changer Wrestling. Um, he had the Nick Gage Invitational Deathmatch Tournament. And then he, go, uh, he, he gets a call that, uh, that Nick got caught up again. Uh, he fell into his bad habits, uh, and uh, he was he tried busted. tried to take a P-test. Yeah, well, okay, so what was, the, uh, what was the device that he was talking about? Did you understand that part? I'm not familiar with it. Um, gosh, I thought there was... Because he was, you know, the producers give Brett Lauderdale Nick Gage a side of it, which was, I just got busted for a bad urine test. Yeah. And then Brett says, well, that was part of it. Yeah. But he also might have been using some other device. Like. I'm sure chat might might light us up. It might be out there. This is this is like a, a, a vague recollection. I thought a football player got busted for something like that, too. Do some sort of device. I don't know what it is. But I could be completely off base. With okay, because they even the, did the, the thought. The, the memory is stuck in my head, but beyond just a vague memory of it, I don't remember details. In the like, was it related to faking a drug test? Okay, okay, because like they had so. they like they did the recreation thing where something was being taken off of his his person, and I couldn't. You know, I am I am. Uh, an innocent child when it comes to drug tests, and yeah. I, I I am not. I've not okay. been in that world. Okay. I've taken one. Is- oh, go ahead. So this is back in 2005. So there was a player who was caught with something called the Wizinator. Okay. So I think it's 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 a uh, it's a fake front area. Oh wow. And with okay. a bladder, so I oh, think you can okay. put whatever you want in the bladder and okay. then urinate, and then it's you know, it's not your pee. <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds okay. So this is yeah, back in 2005. Okay. So, so it was like it was a, my memory didn't fail me completely. It's like, okay, all right. 
So it's just sort of, it's like a goofy. It's like a prosthetic I think you put on. Okay. And so if you have to actually do a, a, a urine test in front of somebody to, to ascertain that you're not faking The it. details of which are probably a bit goofy and sort of irrelevant to it. He got busted for, for faking his pee. Um, that's funny. Because, yeah, Brett's, Brett's reaction was, well, that was part of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was really good in this, by the way. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, so uh so yeah, you know, that sort of pisses off Brett Lauderdale because he put together this this invitational and he ends up doing what was it like, two more years or something? Two like more that? years. So yeah. about seven years in total. Oh my god, what a waste. Six and a half, seven years. What a waste. Much. So then yeah, in twenty so be twenty seventeen, he's released again. Mm-hmm. Uh, mean, meanwhile, Brett- Game Changer really blew up. Like he they yeah. took that in 2015 when they purchased it and i remember hearing about the first joey janela spring break that's when gcw really sort of came sprung to mind and really that's when i found out about joey janela i was like who is this and why does he get his own spring break that sounds cool mm-hmm. and and you start learning about that stuff and my god i mean they're you know they are sort of a, become a cornerstone of wrestlemania uh, weeks these days yeah. on the indie yeah. circuit that's the, well, the, the whole collective thing where the they collective have, blood sport you know, you know all that tons Just of shows tons they put of on them, through yeah. the course of the weekend yeah so uh at this point brett lauderdale gives him another chance he says you know he more or less says i feel like this time this time essentially nick was ready mm-hmm. um and the they kind of fast forward then to his match against david arquette yeah yeah which big jeff was there for oh he, he right. was at that match yeah um i think he texted me like later on was like man i think i might have seen david arquette die uh, because so we've seen we've seen we've seen this from and granted Arquette's interviewed for this, but we've mm-hmm. seen Arquette talk about this in his documentary. You can't mm-hmm. kill David Arquette, which we were in as well. Yes. Yeah, briefly. Um, so we get we get Nick Gage's perspective on the whole thing here as well. Uh, essentially, Arquette took the match. Well, first, someone asked him, I think I think it was Brett Lauderdale says, hey, you want to wrestle Nick Gage? And Arquette's like, yeah, sure. And he started researching what Nick Gage did in the ring. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, well, I'll do a death match. I'll go out there, you know, because Arquette's been ridiculed since he won the WCW title. Yeah. You know, and he's, he, he the whole kind of thing about him getting back into wrestling was to prove to wrestling fans that he is one of them. He is a wrestler. He is a wrestling fan. He was he trying to win that to, title yeah. to disrespect the business. He, he was trying to, yeah, it, you know, his love for the business, unfortunately, was you know, because of the WCW stuff, you know, he became an enemy in many in many wrestling fans' eyes yeah. for simply taking up an opportunity uh, when it was presented to him. And uh, and you know, he's got a lo- lot of love for the business, and but that love was sort of you know uh, uh, peed all over because of what happened, and he wanted mm-hmm. to go out, and so he did like a bit of a tour. Where mm-hmm. I think RJ City trained him up quite a bit. I think he was one of the main guys that trained well, him. Well, in the documentary, as is put in there, he goes all you know. He trained stuff in Mexico. Mm, okay, he um, goes all over he, the place. He then. did some stuff with RJ City. I, I just fast forwarded to then, our part and then uh, tagged with him for a while too. <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean, I I'd basically known a lot of that story, so I didn't need to get in the the, the details of it. But uh, yeah. I hear it's a great documentary. Yeah, it's um, pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Nick Gage talks about how David Arquette took. Uh, himself and Brett Lauderdale to dinner at Frank and Musso. Frank, yeah, Musso and Frank. Musso and Frank's, yeah. I used to yeah. live right around and, the corner from that place. Oh, okay. In 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 L.A. Mm-hmm. and Gage is telling him, "Hey, you know, this is real. The glass is real. This is you're gonna bleed." And Arquette was like, "Yeah, I was into it. I just told Gage, I'm an actor. Just don't cut me. Yeah, just don't cut me. Yeah, you know." 
and and Gage was like, "All right, I mean, I'm going to be me. You know, this is what I do. So, just be ready for it." It seemed to be. I'm not even going to say a lack of communication, because it really does feel like they tried to explain to David Arquette, "This is the deal. This is what it is." And Arquette was like, "Okay, cool." Because even Arquette says, "You know, until you get into one." You really don't know what to expect. You don't really, you know, it's glass and I know it's dangerous. Mm -mm, Dude, no, you really needed to pay it. Like, I don't know. I get the idea of wanting to establish your bona fides and your credentials, but I don't know. I could look at that, any CZW match and be like, "Mm -mm, no, Mm -hmm. not really. Not going to, not going to know. So, I mean, like Arquette admits he was into over his head. Shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they go over the spot, the, how things kind of spiraled out of control. Uh, so, uh, Gage takes his pizza cutter to Arquette and Arquette says, I, you know, I told him not to cut. I feel like he's in, uh, Gage says, Oh, this pizza cutter, you won't feel a thing. And Arquette says, I feel like my forehead is getting sliced off. (laughs) And he's like, at this point, I don't feel the trust that's necessary for a wrestling match. Yeah. And so, uh, at one point, uh, Gage takes a piece of, of light tube, smashes it over Arquette's head. And this is when Arquette like pretty much reaches back behind him and does like a double leg takedown to gauge in the process gauge is trying to stab him in the head with the light yeah that's when yeah he does that and then it's sort of simultaneous like gauge is trying to to shank his head with the light tube and while arquette's like "Uh uh-uh no and then you can see him like go down and like put his hand on his neck and and gauge is like you know i don't know what he says probably i'm gonna fuck you up if you do this um or let's just finish the match or something like that. But uh, but it the, the, like the really disconcerting thing, though, is the reaction of the crowd in the moment. I should have asked Jeff about this. The reaction of the crowd, you know, those kind of shows, it's with a savvier crowd. You know, it's like if you're going to a Nick Gage match, it's like, okay, you're going to be sort of savvy to the whole thing. And when you see somebody bleeding as much as Arquette was, that no, crowd was hush. like... It's quiet. It yeah. is awkwardly quiet. It's yes. like, you know... It's it's like the you know somebody just walked into a party that everybody hates you know it's like oh god what is happening you know nobody's chanting nobody's cheering they're just seeing it's just everybody's there a couple of dudes and one guy is bleeding really bad and everybody is thinking he's gonna die if he doesn't get that taken care of now yeah yeah so yeah uh, Gage accidentally uh, stabs Arquette in the neck uh, or cuts him. And that's when Gage says, I, I took a look at it. You know, blood wasn't shooting out. It was bleeding, but it looked like a, a, a hole. He'll be fine. Let's finish the match. Mm-hmm. Arquette, I think, tr- leaves at first, then goes back to the ring. Yeah, that's what happens. Throws a chair at, at yeah. Gage. And Gage does a, a judo throw, mm-hmm. pins him, and tells him to stay down Yeah, to finish the match. And then Arquette gets uh, gets in the car. I think Luke Perry drives him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My memory serves from uh, Arquette's documentary. Mm-hmm. Well, he even mentioned that to yeah, uh, Nick yeah. Gage mentioned that he said he got in Luke's Perry, Luke Perry's car. He was a crybaby about it. And then you see some TMZ footage the next day that Arquette talks about, and you know they're like, "You tell he's still upset about it." How do you feel? Interesting. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's his response. Uh, so yeah, he was still pretty bent about it. Um, and then you know from that, obviously that I mean that was I know I know we had heard about Nick Gage before mm-hmm. that. But that really did, you know, it's like, oh, wh- why was Arquette in there with that guy? And then you just start paying attention a bit more. And then, I mean, his profile just sort of naturally rose even from there. And that was just only a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. 
Um, and so, you know, especially commensurate also with GCW being on the rise, you hear more about Nick Gage, guys like Ricky Shane Page. Um, so you, you hear about all those guys a bit more. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, his his reputation starts to grow. And then and then they sort of bring it back down because we find out that his brother uh, commits suicide by jumping off a bridge uh, after being mm-hmm. chased by cops for stealing a car. Yeah. And I think it's Brett Lauderdale talks about how kind of as Nick Gage uh, is, is in the process of trying to get his life back together uh, following, I believe, his second release from prison mm-hmm. kind of parallel to that. His brother's life is kind of falling apart, having trouble at his ha- at his home, some, potentially some substance abuse issues. And I guess he steals a car. Yeah, is pursued by the police, and he stops on a bridge and 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 jumps off. But evidently, that was his plan in the first place because he did leave a note behind that said, "I'm sorry," mm-hmm. um, which is absolutely tragic. And yeah, like they were talking about, he was the brother who had his shit together, mm-hmm. and and Nick was you know the guy who was doing a bid, and you know his family left him substance abuse, like you said. And then this is how it ended up leaving. And he said, you know, the bridge that he jumped off of is literally behind my sort of behind my house within sight. And so whenever I go back there, I say a little prayer and and give a shout out to him. Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like throughout the course of the document, like there was one bit where Gage wasn't in a good place, had a match with his brother. And he was like, yeah, I was just out of it. And his brother sort of like towards the the beginning of the match, just gave him his finish and held him down and pinned him. And, you know. So they didn't seem to have a great relationship anyways over the years. No, not necessarily. Uh, to kind of close, they, they asked Brett Lauderdale about uh, uh, redemption when it comes to Nick Gage. And, and Lauderdale, he didn't sugarcoat it. He says, you know, as a, uh, for an addict, uh, you know, it's a day-by-day process. You know, um, and, and, you know, he, he and, and Nick seem pretty close. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was kind of it was kind of neat to see Brett Lauderdale give a pretty honest assessment kind of across the board uh, of Nick Gage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I didn't yeah, feel yeah. like he, was... he handled any part of the story with kid gloves whatsoever. He yeah. Gave, you know, and, and, he, and he called it straight too. I mean, you know, one reason that that it's 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 apropos that they're doing it now was because of something that both Lauderdale and Nick Gage talk about, and that's his mortality. And Lauderdale says, you know, like any addict. Every day is a battle. You're always fighting mm-hmm. to make sure that you're going to stay alive and you're going to be straight. And so he says his redemption will be written in the end. If he's able to keep it together, then he'll have it. If he's not, mm-hmm. he won't. Mm-hmm. And Gage said the same thing. He basically said, I, I'm not planning on being around, you know, till I'm old. I'm probably going to go sooner than later. Now, the irony is he'll probably end up going when he's like 90 years old or something. Yes. That's usually, I mean, yes. if, if this dude hasn't, and now, I mean, we sort of glossed over it, but that footage of him bleeding out was it gets brutal. Jack, yeah. Was yeah. brutal. I mean, there was yeah. a ton of blood, and he was, you know, like you said, he was sitting there, oh, you know, I want to get, get me back take in me there, up. take me up. Can you at least, like, walk me out there and make it look like I tried to get back in? No, no, dude. Meanwhile, this poor nurse is like, you know, getting every towel available. Like we can't, we can't get the ambulance here. We got to call in the helicopter. Yeah, that's how bad it is. Oh, yeah, that's net. Like when he said, yeah, the camera guys immediately knew. Like it just buckets were. That's horrifying. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, going back to Nick Gage talking about, you know, I'm probably gonna be, but yeah, what I was saying was, you know. He's he's lived through this much. 
it's kind of like new Jack. It's like, good. I mean, at this point you kind of know you're, you are dealing with some sort of mutant healing ability because, or toughness anyways, because man, y'all get put down and you keep on, keep on coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, to kind of close things, uh, they go back to Mox talks about how Nick Gage is going to keep going. Um, and he says, Nick Gage has the number one talent you need. You don't need huge muscles. Mm-hmm. Got you, you need the ability to connect. Mm-hmm. And he said, Vince McMahon would kill to have one person with yeah. the kind of connection Nick has with his fans. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, it's a double-edged sword. You know, it's like the, 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 the problem with that is, with Vince McMahon, they're the they're the uh, the establishment. So once you go there, you know it's like is is it is it can you make that kind of really intimate connection with fans the way Nick Gage does? Now some wrestlers have been able to, but uh, but I'm not going to say by any means by it's it's easy at all in the independent circuit. It's not easy at all for anybody to do that, um, but. Uh, but yeah, Nick Gage in the WWE uh, is uh, probably a non-starter because oh, yeah. the thing that is Nick, Nick Gage is so anti-WWE mm-hmm. that philosophy of corporate wrestling, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But the you know the 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 idea is totally sound. What you want is somebody who can connect with fans, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, and Nick Gage definitely has done that, and he seems very grateful for the community that has built around him, um, you know, via deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, solid episode. And I think next week is Collision with Korea, right? I think that's correct. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.